Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the CPG Guys podcast. I'm PVSB, one of the aforementioned CPG Guys. I'm also the VP of Partner Strategy and Development at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. You can find us on Google Play and the Apple App Store. My co-host is a legend, 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 legend in the omni-channel CPG retail world. Why he's so famous that people refer to him by just one name. Please join me in welcoming my plus one, the man known as Shri. Hey, Shri, what's going on, brother? Apparently, he lives on. Who lives on? The bone, 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 bone. We spare no expense here with our echo effects. <laughs> you think we'd pie a machine to do that. No, we just we just fake it, but in any event. Is it time, Peter? Do we need to consider a machine? I don't know. That means we're in the big time, Shri. I, I like I like people thinking we're just this little cottage. We're good in the junior league, man. I, I know we're 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 we're, my, we're we're not we're not in the majors. We're the not ready. We did get promoted from Pee Wee League, though, so we should be happy. I don't know. We're in the not ready for prime time players in the in the vernacular of Saturday Night Live. But I uh, hope everything's going good for you on the West Coast, Shri. I, I'm sitting in the middle of a snowstorm. You're probably adjusting the temperature of your hot tub or something like that, right? It's a rough 44. Oh, my God. All right. So uh, thank you for joining me as always. I think we got a great episode coming up. Before we talk to our guest, I want to remind our audience that all of our content, it can be found by just visiting cpgguys.com. That includes 160-plus episodes on 40 platforms, links to our LinkedIn page, Instagram, Twitter, even a list of the podcasts that we listen to when we are not obsessed with listening to ourselves drone on and on. Uh, also, uh, some of the episodes to listen to over the Christmas week, we we release the annual Omnis Awards. Those are our take on the absolute best in omni-channel digital. It's a little tongue-in-cheek. We have fun with it, but it's, it's something we like to do every year. Um, check those episodes out. And, of course, Brian Gildenberg's year-end retrospective and 2022 predictions all really good really good content and uh make sure to go to our linkedin page you can do that by going to your browser going to the linkedin site and then searching for cpg guys or you can do it through the linkedin mobile app but when you get there enter um cpg guys in the search box and when you get to our company page click the blue follow button that way you will be privy to all of the wonderful content that we are publishing all of the time. It's a lot of great stuff. In addition to amplifying the episodes that we're publishing, we like to recognize people that are movers and shakers in the industry, articles we think are interesting. Uh, we get to talk about interesting things like, hey, Shri, did you see that Coca-Cola is releasing a hard version of Fresca? Seriously, what's up with that? Of all the brands that they want to, they want to use in their portfolio, that's the one they want to make boozy? Isn't that kind of funny? That is, I, I actually think it's a big deal, and it brings back memories of, was it Mountain Dew from last year? Yes, Mountain Dew. Uh, yeah, Mountain Dew. Uh, PepsiCo partnered with uh, with with an alcohol manufacturer to do that. That's this is a great lead into what we're talking about. Today. There's a fly on the wall that tells me it might have to be one of the fresh four updates today. It might be. It's, it might. It might well be this afternoon when we record. And you know, you'd have to go. 
this is a new way of thinking for beverages, yeah. especially brand legacy brands. Yep. But I'm also what also equally excites me, which you know we should all be paying attention to in the industry is GameStop just announced that its recovery depends on its ability to go into NFTs. Yep. Oh, GameStop. Oh, I know. I thought that was remarkable. That's they're going to do cryptocurrency NFTs. That's their turnaround plan. But today is all about beverages, man. And yeah, let's get back to that. Uh, one, a couple other things I want to mention is free. You know, with it, we've gone, we've gone international. We're uh, we're in Europe now. We've got a sister podcast called the FMCG Guys. It's hosted by two really great guys, friends of ours, Daniel and Ephraim. And they're basically taking the CPG Guys format, bringing it to Europe, where they're talking to industry luminaries and giving a perspective on the other side of the pond. So. You want to find out about the FMCG guys, you can look for them on LinkedIn, or you can go to the CPG guys site. And the very link at the top of the page is a link to FMCG guys. So check it out. It's really great. A lot of our listeners from Europe have been asking for this, and we wanted to deliver. So it's really good. Lastly, I just want to mention, Sri, you know uh, that you and I could not be more proud of our association with the Network of Executive Women. It's a community of over 14,000 members, 900 companies that are really dedicated to the cause of gender equality and career development in the workplace for women. So in the middle of today's episode and every Wednesday episode, you're going to find Lily Streg telling you about activities and events that they've got going on. And if you want to learn more about new, uh, there's an easy way to learn. Just go to newonline.org slash CPG guys. Wow. That, they, that, that makes us kind of official, doesn't it? Uh, but that's a great way to do it. I know, I know, I know. So let's get on to the topic at hand and get to our guest today. I think our audience knows how fascinated Shri and I are with the adult beverage uh, category and, and the segments that it has within it. And we love having guests on that come from this space in consumables. Our guest today, uh, I met a number of years ago through a mutual friend, Gia Serier, who was an early guest on the CPG Guys podcast. She's with uh, 2020 Boutique. And our guest, he's the director of national accounts for e-commerce at Pabst Brewing Company. Shri, you're, you and I are gentlemen of a certain age, and Pabst is a uh, is an iconic brand from from our youth. And I am so excited to talk about where this brand is going into the future. He is, as I mentioned, the director of national accounts for e-commerce. Uh, his experience includes works at iconic companies like Procter and Gamble. Kimberly Clark, Mattel, Viacom, Warner Brothers, and Expedia. Here to talk with us about how he is building growth in e-commerce for the craft brands within the PAPS portfolio is Will Yan. Will, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, CPG guys. I'm glad to be here. So, uh, so happy that you uh, asked me and thank you for having me. So, Will, before we dive into the questions we've prepared for you, would you please give us an overview of the Paps Brewing Company portfolio and more specifically what you're charged with doing as the Director of National Accounts for e-commerce? So our portfolio obviously uh, is PBR, is kind of our flagship brand, national brand, but we've also got a lot of legacy regional brands like Rainier up here in the Pacific Northwest, Lone Star in Texas, New Holland, which is based in Michigan, it's a craft you know, bourbon barrel aged stout. And then the newest uh, addition to our portfolio is Jack Daniels Country Cocktails. So working with Brown Foreman on doing distribution for 
that iconic brand as well. Lots of Schlitz, Stag, Natty Bow, Schaefer, Colt 45, Old Milwaukee. These are all very much uh, older brands, but still got a lot of uh, staying power regionally. For my role, it's primarily in five buckets. Uh, so number one, focusing on e-commerce capabilities like content syndication, reporting. Uh, number two bucket is around omni-channel support. So supporting our brick and mortar teams. And most recently, actually, I have ownership now of uh, club value and uh, drug channels. Actually, I'm building my, my brick and mortar skill set outside of, you know, after been in e-com for 12 years, finally you're getting some brick and mortar experience, which I'm very excited about. Third bucket is around internal education. So I've done a couple e-commerce master classes, uh, which are always fun, um, you know, helping the internal organization understand e-com, how it, how it works, what it is, how big it is, uh, what are the tools in the tool belt. Fourth bucket is around uh, new channels. So think of the Instacarts and the Drizzlies and the GoPuffs. And then of course, the fifth bucket, you can't ignore Amazon, right? You got to have Amazon as one of your top five responsibilities, but it's the first time in my career where Amazon is not a top three account for me. Um, so, um, but staying close to them, knowing that if they wanted to change uh, the e-com game and alcohol overnight, they can. So uh, those are kind of my five buckets of responsibilities. That's very helpful. Hey, we're going to tell our audience, if you want to learn more about Will, if you dig into the digital liner notes of this episode in your podcast app, you'll find a hyperlink to Will's LinkedIn page, also to the Paps Brewing Company website. Check it out there. You'll learn a lot. Will, a lot of people like to learn as they're listening. It's uh, this uh, uh, multitasking environment that we live in these days. So thanks. Thanks for giving that. And the brands you mentioned, God, iconic brands from, from my life. I, the, when you we mentioned Lone Star, my first thought was smoking in the bandit, right? Getting, getting that beer across the state line. Yeah. Oh, those, oh, the fun, the fun misspent youth, uh, days of my life, but in any event. So let's get right down to the questions. Uh, We've, we've put together some interesting ones. I think you will uh, relay back to us a really uh, fascinating perspective on, on this space that your brands compete in. As I mentioned, you play in a space where there are some pretty big competitors with extremely large portfolios and kind of budgets to match. I'd like to understand uh, what do you see as being the core objectives and supporting activities that PAPS Brewing plays in supporting national accounts in your portfolio? Like, how do you establish yourself as a trusted and valued partner with all these big players kind of around you? Yeah. Um, well, on the brand side, I think one of the the benefits of being the little guy um, or the smaller guy in the sea of competitors is that our consumers don't also expect us to be advertising during the Super Bowl, right? Or uh, seeing our, our advertisements in their face, it's very organic. It's very under the, you know, under subculture kind of kind of brand, um, and so that makes you know makes sure that all of our marketing is is pretty much not in the big spaces that you would think of in traditional media. And for us, I think about uh, how we become trusted advisors to our retailers. It's relate. It's add value. It's make it easy and be relentless. Um, so for relate, you know, be a human being, build a relationship, be responsive, be personable. Uh, be unique. And for add value, it's having data and insights um, instead of buying space with our with our gigantic uh, you know budget. It's giving them data and insights on why they should add our product, why it makes sense for their consumers, uh, making it easy 
you know, three takeaways. We're not writing an essay up here, right? We know they're limited on time. Set up 15-minute calls. Here's what you need to know, and this is this is what you need uh, to, to make your decision. And then be relentless, right? We get to, we get a no at first, uh, but eventually turn it into a yes based on, like I said, data and insights. I think that's kind of like our, our weapon and how we try to think. First of all, welcome to the show, Will, and congratulations on making the reverse turn of what I've done twice in life now, going from brick and mortar to e-commerce back to full portfolio at this stage across all channels. You're going to find it a lot of fun. Let's go where the CPG guys never dare to go before. Retail media. Just kidding. It's one of Peter and my and CPG guys' favorite topics. So I'm going to go geek out with you now on search. And the one I'd like to go to is organic search or SEO instead of SEM. Can you help decompose for us how you manage SEO for all the accounts in your portfolio? And then from a specific initiative uh, perspective, what are you focused on to win search on the di digital shelf? And do you see changes really like occurring in alcohol brands and how you can engage customers through all the retail networks that are eventually your partners? Yeah, I think for, for organic search, I mean, having, you know, the experience at other CPG companies, where you have bigger budgets, um, that's definitely been more of a priority for us uh, with such small budgets to begin with. Organ you know, organic is really around content and the basics around getting that content fixed and, and knowing that once you get that fixed on the retailer channels that, you know, they're going to be spending money anyways on, on the categories and the keywords and all that placement. So as long as we're good on those retail si retailer sites, um, that's going to give us the most bang for our buck. So. Um, so organic search, uh, that's kind of how we think the organic search is fixing, fix, fixing the content piece, uh, hands content, ratings, reviews, et cetera. Once the content piece is fixed and then we can start spending on, you know, uh, start driving traffic there through retail media. I think three things that still kind of bug me and I would love your perspective on it is, you know, brands that spend on branded keywords, uh, brands that spend on Google, knowing that you're competing with retailer, uh, search budgets. And then the third one is, you know, CBG companies that have siloed agencies or other product categories where they're kind of competing with each other on the same keyword searches, you know? Um, and so I think that uh, for us, how I think about retail media is um, it's, it's just got to be very, very um, thoughtful um, on, on how you spend and, and where you spend and, and making sure that uh, even though it's not a big, uh, piece for us right now, since we're trying to get that basic content fixed, uh, once we do get that fixed and drizzling on the retail media, um, will help us, you know, from an organic search uh, standpoint in that flywheel, right? We've got to juice the flywheel a little bit. What an important statement, hold on, Peter, that Will just made, right? Like he said, brands compete with each other on retail media. If you go back in time and history, how this advertising world evolved, TV, radio, it was about the audience size, and that's how the prices for the per minute of advertising per 30-second spot went up. It was all about audience. That has not changed to the bids are actually bands fighting with each other irrespective of the audience size. And so I believe the new auction system for SEM is actually going to drive much bigger win for retailers than what TV and radio won years ago. In other words, it's just going to get more expensive. I would agree. And I guess my question that I would add on before I go to my next one, Will, are you seeing that obviously, you know, in prior episodes, we've talked about tight house laws and the restrictions you have. 
Are you seeing rules changing and your ability to invest in retail media platforms? Is that not catching up with the times? Are you still really faced with the same old rules that you've always been faced with prior to the pandemic? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and if you look at, I'm going to take Instacart and Drizzly's out of the equation because they're marketing platforms, they don't have liquor licenses, et cetera. Uh, but if you look at the retailers that we do play with, we can't pay, we can't play in 8451. We can't play in Walmart advertising or Amazon advertising because we're paying a retailer directly. Uh, so if you think about a GoPuff, um, we've got to go through a Citrus ad, right? A third party. Uh, platform that inserts the ads into their platform. Same thing with uh, Albertsons, just moving from Quotient to Citrus Ad as well. So uh, there are certain retailers that are starting to figure that out for the alcohol brands and the alcohol space. But uh, if you think of the big ones, I mean, the big three, right? I would maybe even target big four. Uh, we can't do anything with that, um, which is a weird space to be in, right? No, no sponsored listings and no... Uh, deal the days, no VPCs. I mean, the tools are just very, uh, no sampling. I mean, there's very little tools in the tool belt for alcohol brands. That's very informative for our audience to understand that, that there's still a lot of legacy restrictions that aren't keeping up with the times. Let's hope that changes. But in any event, since we've kind of alluded to the fact that we recently covered uh, what I'd call the 101 entry-level coursework in alcohol e-commerce fundamentals and some some episodes, notably last month. We're going to ask Will to take on some of the graduate level topics in today's episode, if that's okay. Um, so let's talk about the phenomenon that we've heard are emerging in China around this concept of group buying. I'm really fascinated by this. Can you break down for our audience what group buying is all about? And is this something that might work here in the USA and even specifically in the alcohol category? How might it work? Yeah, I'm, I'm super fascinated by it. Um, I think I looked at some numbers and it was about $100 million uh, in 2018. And then in 2020, exponential growth to like over $4 billion. Um, so that's a huge jump. Um, and I think Pinduoduo is, is kind of the biggest platform for that in China. Uh, but a couple of things you have to remember about the, the audience in China, right? Uh, any, any of us who've worked in e-com know that the penetration is much higher. Uh, there in in, in our categories for online groceries, like over 60% of the consumers there order grocery online. Number two, the addressable market is gigantic, huge. And of course, the third piece is technology and data privacy laws are very different. Platforms are very different. Uh, what the government there allows these these technology companies to have access to um, and to triangulate you know, data around uh, is very different. So that's kind of the context for, for group buying, but essentially what it is, it's kind of like crowdfunding, right? It's uh, groups of people who get together and say, hey, I want to buy uh, beer in bulk uh, so that we get a better price for everybody. Um, and think of apartment buildings or senior homes or anywhere there's dense neighbors. And it's like the three of us maybe getting together with our neighbors. Let's say we live in an apartment building, the three of us together and saying, hey, well, let's try to get a pallet of toilet paper delivered to the apartment building um, and get a better price for that because uh, we're getting, you know, retailers taking less margins, distributors taking less margins, uh, brands, et cetera, uh, to get a better price. Um, so that's essentially what it is. You know, I'm, ser I'm seriously seeing an opportunity around big sporting events for group buying in, in the adult beverage category. That, that right there is something that triggers me. What do you think, Shree? Super Bowl parties all over the country. Palette Super Bowl parties. 
block parties, block parties in residential neighborhoods. But, you know, that list can go on and on. But, you know, today's world of changing retail consumer habits, COVID-induced, everything we talk about, these things are not five years away. Like it's tomorrow's plan. It's not in the future. That's what fascinates me the most. But, you know, keeping that in mind, you know, when we started this conversation, well, you refer to the portfolio that you represent, right? Not all brands that you represent are of a scale of the national size. And um, some of them are more regional in nature and also have more limited household penetration. The world that I'm used to, you can obviously grow that uh, traditional food and bev world where you can do sampling easily. How do you this? How do you see this actually being extended, and how how can you leverage sampling in the PAPS portfolio? Yeah, great question. I think uh, I mentioned sampling as kind of being very limited. It's you know, at least in the e-com world, and even in the brick and mortar world. Uh, the uh, going back to the the legal limitations around states and by zip code on how much you can serve, what alcohol content, you know, level you can serve um, and who can serve it. You know, do those people need to have licenses that are serving or only brand representatives can serve? It's very complex um, and, and very difficult to scale. I know in working with GoPuff, they've got this alcohol sampling program that they're trying to get off the ground, but it's very expensive. Uh, to participate in. And so for, for us at PAPS, we try to think about alternative channels, I guess, uh, to think about sampling and how do we get to the consumer or liquid to lips. And uh, one thing that I've always been fascinated with is this travel channel. Think of Airbnbs and VRBOs. And, um, you know, and I think it's a huge opportunity for sampling. Think about it. Uh, think about that experience of getting off the airplane, you check into your Airbnb, you open up the fridge, there's a nice six pack, cold six pack of PBR waiting for you there. Um, you're in a great, you know, most of the time when you travel, you're in a fantastic mood. And and so you're able to leverage consumers in these spaces um, of kitchens and, and bathrooms and laundry rooms, using brands, sampling brands um, in a great mood. I mean, that connective tissue of, of that memory of that vacation and, and knowing that PBR was tied to that awesome vacation um, is, is kind of the, the, the alternative channels that I'm trying to explore um, because the traditional ones are just not scalable. A reminder, audience, that we're speaking with Will Yen. He's the director of national e-commerce accounts at Pabst Brewing Company. Will, Amazon's been extremely successful in building its consumables business, uh, notably through its subscription solution. I know Albertson's just partnered with Replenium. We had their CEO, Tom Furphy, on the podcast last summer to talk about how that's working. Um, and they use that to offer their shoppers replenishment capabilities. Uh, can this work for alcohol? And if so, how? I mean, it should. I mean, think about the consumer behavior. It's there. I mean, I, I myself have two wine subscriptions uh, to do two different wineries. I've got Flaviar, which is like a spirits uh, subscription. And so, But for beer, it's just nobody's doing it. Uh, no one, no one's touching it right now for, for some reason or another, either from a legal standpoint or from a scalability standpoint. Uh, but the consumer behavior is absolutely there. We all know, uh, in the categories that we've worked in, I mean, subscribe and save is huge tool in the tool belt for, uh, loyalty, for, uh, convenience. Um, and that's just no retailers are doing it yet, um, which is, which is really surprising, but I absolutely think this can work for, for alcohol, um, and especially, uh, for, for beer. Um, it's 
bulk, right? If you order like a 30 pack of beer, you know, it's, it's bulky, it's heavy. Um, when you go to the store, you don't want to, you know, you got to pick it up, put it in your backseat. It's, it, it, it's more convenient just to just get it set up on a subscription, delivered to your home. So um, hopefully someone steps up in this space. I expect someone to step up soon. You're not the only one, Will. I think you have two other fans looking to see who's, who uh, steps up in this space. But that said, that said, I'm going to ask you to bring out the prediction box right now and uh, get a crystal ball out uh, and go to, you know, obviously I think data would say Amazon is the largest e-commerce retailer in the United States today. I'd love to uh, get your prediction on where they are next going with frictionless and predictive commerce and how you from Pabs would actually leverage those sort of opportunities. Yeah, I think uh, Scott Galloway, I think, called it like Prime Plus or zero click ordering at some point um, where, you know, moving past one click, you know, why not just with all the data that they have, just send you stuff and the stuff that you don't want, you send it back. But of course, that would create so much waste. Um, uh, uh, they kept on sending you stuff every day. So I feel like the next step for, for Amazon in this space is either through uh, smart fridges, um, which I, I believe there's you know been rumors for years of them working on smart devices like fridges and um, where there's real room capabilities, uh, predictive capabilities based on, hey, I'm low on milk, or I'm low on beer or something like that, and it'll predict it by the weight or whatever. Uh, there's their um, scanning technology uh, to reorder stuff. Um, but to take it even one step further, I mean, I think... If I was Amazon, why would I not be buying mixed-use retail buildings? Now, this is, might be a little bit out there, uh, but imagine them owning a building uh, that had on the first floor, you've got retail, retail restaurants, services, maybe an Amazon Go store, you know, with that technology built in. Uh, we could do booze and, you know, beer and beer sampling replenishment uh, through those retail restaurants and services on the first floor. Second floor, you've got hotel and meeting spaces. So you've got catering and room service opportunities. Third floor, co-working spaces. Uh, so you're having happy hour with your co-workers. On the fourth floor, condo and apartments, fitness centers, swimming pools. So you've, you're able to indulge uh, in your beer at home. And then on the fifth floor, you've got roof, you know, rooftop deck or maybe even uh, a bar up there uh, for social, social parties. And if you think of like this imaginary building that Amazon owns, it can pipe it with all their devices, their technology, their, they've got that salon right in Europe or something like that. Um, I mean, the, the ability to close loop on so many pieces of data that brands are after and consumer insights is, is, um, would be unparalleled in my mind. Um, so that's where my crystal ball goes for Amazon. I know it's kind of out there, but, um, if I was them, that's, that's where I'd be going. Sheree, uh, I, I'm looking at you and I'm, I'm seeing you're thinking that where, when do I move in? When, when let's, let's, let's sell the house. Let's, let's buy into this new lifestyle. I'm with you, Sheree. That sounds like a lot of fun. Forget the privacy, right? Yeah, no, no. You refer to the three person apartment building earlier. So, you know, you never know, Peter. Yeah. Listen, I'm, uh, I think what we've learned from consumers, Will, is that they're willing to, uh, suspend their privacy in exchange for convenience and value. So it all depends upon if the experience is so superior that to get it, they need to give up some of their privacy, they'll give up some of their privacy. 
And Amazon can make it very uh, rent affordable. I mean, have it t- priced like 20% below the market because they've got brands to subsidize. Brilliant. Um, all this information, right? I mean, I think this is fantastic. So let's get back from the, the world of the potential to the world of the actual. Uh, the pandemic changed your mix of business in all likelihood. Are there specific omni-channel or consumer trends that you're watching in terms of how they may influence your business further? And how are you ensuring that your company can be prepared to leverage these for growth opportunities? Yeah, um, I think like most alcohol companies, um, especially in beer, where it's heavily dependent on uh, what we call on-premise, which is basically restaurants and bars um, and um, you know uh, hotels, that kind of thing, uh, where it's kind of more of a B two B type of um, type of product um, on uh, you know keg taps, that kind of thing. Uh, that was really tough, you know, and um, but we did see the stock up. I think that most CPG brands saw last year um, when the restaurants of the local local water hole was closed. And so they had to go pick up their six packs and 24 packs uh, from the store. Um, so that definitely has shifted the mix. And what we've seen from an e-com perspective is um, I think everything that everybody else saw, right? The five years and in, in one year uh, acceleration. And of course, coming into this year, we thought it would all come down to pre-pandemic levels, but no, there's a new, there's a new, uh, there's a new um, base now, right? Um, that's higher than it was pre-pandemic, um, even for, for us in, in beer and e-commerce. Um, and so as a result of the ship, shift, I think one of the trends that we're kind of watching is uh, you guys kind of mentioned at the top of the call, it's the mix between traditional beverages and uh, alcohol. I mean, um, RTDs and FMBs and hard seltzers, like uh, everything's kind of shifting, you know, uh, non-alc is starting to pick up. So there, there's a lot of these trends because of folks being stuck at home and, and um, uh, trying new things on, on either delivery through, through Drizzly or something like that. They're not going to spend as much time um, in the store. Uh, because of, you know, conditions, of course, uh, but, you know, just trying all these different types of uh, types of products. So I think that's kind of a, bl- a blurring of lines um, is one of the trends um, that we've been watching for sure. Um, when I think about growth, I guess, for e-commerce, and this kind of moves into the next question is for us at Paps, I think of like a three-layer cake. I've been watching a lot of, I don't know, my kids have been addicted to this Disney magic bake off. So cake is kind of on my mind. Uh, and, and for us, e-commerce, uh, as a cake, if you think of your kind of your, your base cake, and then you've got your, your frosting and then you got your sprinkles, uh, content syndication, ratings, reviews, retail media is, is kind of, uh, the base, right. Um, and then you kind of sprinkle on, um, all those other new channels. Um, and then, uh, with DTC, we didn't even talk about DTC and marketplaces and merch, but, that's a unique uh, part of our business at PAPS that is so unique, so different from the marketplace. Uh, when you look at our competitor set, I mean, I'm wearing a, a PAPS shirt, which is pretty awesome, but people tattoo PAPS on their bodies. Uh, people love wearing our brand as a lifestyle brand. And so um, the, the, the merch piece and DTC and marketplaces is absolutely part of our strategy uh, to, to grow e-commerce outside of just the beer category. Peter Sprinkles, Cake, Babs. Like, is, can this episode get any better, Peter? What do you think? This is this is pretty good. You know, I, I think, Will, you, you mentioned 
that uh, D2C is something that you are, you're engaged in. I'd, I think Tree and I would, because D2C is something we're fascinated about. We'd love to hear from you about what PAPS D2C strategy is, because I, you know, I think of D2C and I think of it in the alcohol beverage category as wine clubs and not so much beer consumables. So how are you going about doing that? What are, how, how do you navigate the legal restrictions in terms of your ability to do that? Yeah, on the beer side, I mean, it's definitely much more complicated. Um, and if you look at uh, D2C from a beer side, the only way to do it is through non-alc beer. Um, so you can buy athletic, athletic, athletic brewing, right, is the biggest one out there. You can buy it on Amazon. You look at Amazon now, they've got a bunch of non-alc beers, Heineken, Suntory. Um, so that's one way into um, uh, DDC uh, marketplaces for, for beer. Um, the the other way is craft breweries uh, who are able to do it um, in a localized state or zip code type of um, delivery area. So that's kind of the two ways for, for, for beer brands to do it. And Will, yeah, I know you started uh, discussing what's next and kind of crystal balling the future and things of that nature earlier. Is there anything Peter and I should know about any big what's next that you have on your mind in terms of this e-commerce and pads, et cetera, that you'd like to share that we didn't already cover? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that uh, is always, you know, other parts of the organization, going back to the cake analogy, right? Um, if you can make a cake, an e-commerce cake, uh, that tastes so good that other organizations want to get a part, a piece of it, I love when it swings back, right? You're educating them, but then once they are educated and they come back to you and say, we want to use e-com as a new item launch channel, right? We want to use um, e-commerce to dictate our future packaging designs. Um, trying images on your product detail pages, that kind of thing. Uh, that that kind of pen, swing back of, of e-commerce knowledge um, is is what I'm most excited about um, for our organization because I think in, since I started last year, a lot of it has been education, you know, one-way education, but be able for them to other parts of the organization to take it in and then know how to grow it and swing it back from an innovation standpoint um, is, is what I, you know. I... I'm hearing you talk pricing and packaging architecture. That is... That's right in Shree's wheelhouse and something that I hear him telling uh, everyone that you've got to be serious about if you want to win in this game. So that's very fascinating. Hey, you guys know this. It's like consumers will tell you one thing in a survey, but they'll, they vote with their wallets. And why not get an item out 80% there? It's okay to be 80% ready. Get it out there quick. Get you know The 20% that you don't know um, will be fantastic for kind of informing success when you actually do launch, right? Because uh, consumers will tell you if your price is wrong or your packaging is off, or maybe you thought that the market, you know, market change, market shifts, market change uh, pretty quickly. And so assumptions that you had going into like a two or three year product development cycle, um, it's just, it's not do that anymore. It's not going to work. I want to remind our audience that all the content for the CPG guys, links to our podcast, our social media, platforms, other podcasts we listen to, links to our companion podcast, the FMCG Guys. Just go to cpgguys.com. And if you want to give us feedback and help us direct who we invite on, what we talk about, easy way to do that, go to ratethispodcast.com and leave us a review. 
and tell us what you want us to talk about, and we'll try and integrate that into our future plan. Hey, Will, uh, thank you for coming on and having that. We riffed a little bit. We bounced around, uh, talked about some future state, some current state. It was uh, it was great. We really appreciate you coming on and then speaking with us. Of course. Hopefully, there's something useful in there. I, I hope there is something useful. Uh, there were some great nuggets in there, and I'm sure Shree's going to tell me what those are right now. Shree, what, what did you think about this? You know, Peter, I'll start with, I'll start right up top. When you're talking PABS, cake, like I said, what was it, sprinkles, etc. How how back can the episode be? But more more importantly, right, every time I think we talk to an alcohol beverage manufacturer with all the legal restrictions on how it's distributed, it's it's fascinating to fathom how e-commerce is actually done in partnership with distributors, in partnership with retail, D2C, you know, we'll refer to D2C today. It's an initiative that's taking place. You go back three years in history, we would have all collectively probably said, stay away with the 50-foot pole, but it's actually happening today. And what you referred to, you know, up top, we started with SEO, like trying to connect SEO with an alcohol brand three years ago. Again, we'd have all said, ah, don't waste your time, but you actually decomposed that for us. And then we started getting into the graduate level topics in today's episode that you talked about, group buying. Maybe that's an inspiration. Maybe that's an inspiration for consumers in some capacity in certain spaces that that'll make sense all the way in all the way in the world. Then you got into sampling. Like, I feel like we hit the spectrum of CPG. In any event, I want to thank Will for joining us. And Shri, as always, you're my ride or die. Another great conversation. We took it down some rabbit holes, but we got back out. And I think we all learned a little something from this. So to our audience, thanks for going on this crazy journey with us. We look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.